0: What I want to talk to you about this morning is Passover, oddly enough, since that's where we are. And we did a Seder last night, and for those of you who were there, you enjoyed a really good meal that Brian and Galene worked very hard to put together. And they also worked very hard on the Haggadah. I thought the Haggadah that they had put together was very good, with the weaving together of the Old Testament readings and the New Testament readings and show how the two relate. So let's talk about what Passover means to us. Passover is a time of liberation. And the question you have to ask is liberation from what? Of course, the obvious answer is slavery in Egypt. But what does that mean for us today? Because the last time I looked, none of us had bald-headed Egyptian taskmasters making us stomp on mud and make bricks without straw. So why does the Passover matter to us today? And what does it mean to us today? Now, three things happened during the Passover. I mean, lots of things happened during the Passover, but for my purposes, three things. So the first thing that happened is we were freed from the world system. Egypt at that time represent the civilized world, one of the largest kingdoms going at that time. And so what God did is he reached into the world and he took us out. And in that process, we became a people. Before that, we were families. After that, we were a people. And we were unique. We were identifiable. And we passed on these heritages to our children. And then the final thing that happened is we were chosen by God to do something special for him. He had something that he wanted done. And he chose Israel, us, to do that. So we got taken out of the world system, we became a nation or a people, and God gave us a mission. And what happens at the Seder, and this is sort of the core of what I want to talk to you about, is Moses commands us to tell this to our children. And that's what the Seder is really all about. I mean, we had a great time, we had good food, we had good fellowship, we sang songs, it was a wonderful time. But the reason we do that is to tell our children. And we tell it in such a way that it becomes real to our children, so that our children will have the feeling that they are integrated and part of this nation that God created and chose to do something special for Him. That's the reason for the Seder. Not to eat lamb, not to have matzah, not to enjoy each other's company. I mean, that's all great stuff, and certainly we ought to do all of that, but that's not the reason we do it. We do it to pass it on to our children, so that their children will then pass it on to their children, and that process has been working for over 3,000 years. And that process is why Israel remains today an identifiable people, because they have faithfully kept the Passover and they have passed this on to their children. I'm going to switch gears a little bit on you now. Has anybody been paying attention to what's going on in the world? Does it look like it's coming apart at the seams to you? Well, I will tell you on the best authority it is coming apart at the seams. This is not your imagination. And I read an interesting article by a guy named Michael Ventura. He wrote it back in the 90s. And it's called The Age of Endarkenment as opposed to the Age of Enlightenment, which happened in the 16th, 17th century. He calls it the Age of Endarkenment. And I think that's what we're in. We're in the Age of Endarkenment right now. And it's characterized by rage. Anybody been paying attention to what's going on in the world? I mean, you have fat, blue-haired, barren women screaming at the top of their lungs at anybody they disagree with. They're called social justice warriors. Anybody ever seen that phenomenon? We have people who are no longer sure what sex they are. And this, by the way, is happened within just the last couple of years. So this process is accelerating. And what I will suggest to you is that process is driven by adolescent rage that has not been properly acculturated. Adolescents... The terrible twos with hormones and a driver's license? Right? I mean, we've all been there, most of us. I and mean, some of you guys are too young, but you'll get there. Look forward to it. It's great. But we all recognize this time of adolescence. And the first thing that happens in adolescence is we all scream, it's not fair. Remember? Remember when you were an adolescent? And you were screaming at your parents or your teachers or your pastor or whoever you happen to, whoever the man was back then, you know, and the man varies from time to time. But it's not fair. Look at our presidential candidates. I mean, we've got an old teenager who did too much acid back in the 60s. I'm serious. That is not a canard. That's true. We had an old teenager who did too much acid back in the 60s screaming what? it's not fair. We have a criminal who should be in jail and what's she screaming? Who is married to a superannuated teenager who has never learned to control his adolescent urges and so what he did is he became president so that he could give them full expression with the entire resources of the United States behind it. We have a president now who was abandoned by his father and he is full of adolescent rage, isn't he? Now, his rage is at the United States. Bernie's is not sure what he's, I'd say he's kind of still on his acid trip, so it's not really clear what he's enraged about. But what you have here in this world is an entire population that has never grown out of adolescence. Look at the aging rock stars. Still screaming songs of adolescent rage. Isn't that what, you know, the Rolling Stones? I think they call them now the Strolling Bones because they're, you know. I mean, they're walking skeletons, but they're still screaming about adolescent rage, aren't they? And so this Age of Endarkenment article was talking about the failure of society to take adolescence And turn them into adults. And part of the problem is that the current adults are themselves adolescents and have never dealt with it themselves. So when adolescents at 40 years old or 30 years old or whatever have teenage children and they themselves have not come out of adolescence, they are not equipped to guide their children out of adolescence. And that's been going on for several hundred years, oddly enough. And I've said this before, it all actually goes back to the Reformation. And what the Reformation did is decoupled the church. And we had the age of reason where everybody has his own copy of the Bible and we can then reason about what the Bible says. What we don't have anymore is this sense of majesty, this sense of awe, this sense of the supernatural, this sense of great mysteries that we are supposed to be initiated into that doesn't happen anymore. Christianity has become syrupy and saccharine. Now, the problem that we have is the Yetzer Hara. For those of you who haven't been here in a while, it's the evil inclination. There's the Yetzer Tov and the Yetzer Hara. Paul calls it the flesh and the spirit. It's all over Scripture. Now, when you become a teenager, as your hormones are starting to kick in, your Yetzer Hara has got this semi adult body full of hormones to work with. Whereas as a two year old, your Yetzer Hara, you could pick him up and put him in timeout. By the time you're 14, 15, 16, you've got an adult body and it's kind of hard to pick you up and put you into timeout. So the Yetzer Hara, as I say, has a semi adult body and hormones to work with. And if that is not controlled, by the adults, what we get is what we have now. Where you have that rush of teenage emotion. Anybody ever been in love as a teenager? Most important thing in the entire world, right? And it's just raw emotion. And if nobody ever shows you how to control that, then what you want to do is you want to take that emotion and live in that emotion for the rest of your life. Bill Clinton, who has been doing teenage romances ever since he was 15 and carries clear on into this day. Bernie, who has got this flush of teenage drugs, and he is carrying that on to this day because nobody has ever taught him how to be an adult. Nobody has ever taught Barack Obama how to be an adult so all he does is he is enraged and what he does when he's enraged is he wants to tear down this system that has been not fair that's what we're living through and by the way this is not just the united states this is worldwide you have the communist revolution in china and what happened is Mao Zedong destroyed his parents and everybody else's parents The Communist Revolution, the French Revolution, the Cambodian killing fields. Cambodian kids went out and killed all their parents. This is adolescent rage without control. It is not unique to the United States. It is worldwide. And oh, by the way, it's not going to stop until it runs its course. So it is not the case that you're going to be able to go to Bernie Sanders or Bill Clinton or anybody like that and speak sweet reason to those people and get them to calm down and act like adults. They just aren't going to. And it's really important that you understand what it is you're dealing with. So one of these barren young women with blue hair and about this big gets in your face and starts screaming about how you are a homophobe because you won't let somebody use this bathroom or that bathroom or whatever they're screaming about today because what they're screaming about today changes. You have college campuses where people get a case of the vapors if somebody writes a conservative slogan. This is adolescent rage that has not been acculturated. And the problem is there are no adults because the adults themselves weren't taught how to deal with their adolescent rage. Now, what happens in typical societies, traditional societies, is when an adolescent comes up and starts feeling his hormones, the adults then take him in hand and they introduce him to the mysteries of the tribe. This is who we are as a people, this is who we worship, these are the secrets of how we worship these are the things that adults know that you don't know yet and typically in such a society adolescence lasts a couple months or a year and it settles down and the young person then goes on to become an adult anybody ever heard of bar mitzvah? that's what bar mitzvah is designed to do it's designed to take this young bundle of hormones and sitting down with an adult who knows things and teach him his place in the world teach him how to control these urges that he's dealing with teaches him how to become an adult and become a member of the society and then once he has passed bar mitzvah age and has been through the bar mitzvah ceremony he is an adult and he's able to come up and he's able to read the scripture to the people in the congregation He now has a sense of place, and a sense of purpose, and a sense of people. That doesn't happen in lots and lots of places anymore. And and by the way, the reason everything is coming apart so fast right now is because of World War II. What happened during World War II is the entire world was disrupted. So, for example, Vietnam, a place I'm intimately familiar with, left a lot of friends there what happened after World War II is the Japanese who had conquered Vietnam as they retreated installed Ho Chi Minh as a communist Ho Chi Minh had no roots and he then proceeded to destroy the old order that's what happened in Cambodia with the killing fields that's what happened in China with Mao Zedong that's what happened with Karl Marx Karl Marx was enraged with his father Grew up a nice Jewish boy, trying to figure out what his place was in the world. His father then changed from being a Jew to being a Lutheran because the business opportunities were better in the Lutheran church. So what happened is his father then cut him off from his people. And so he then gets this cockamamie theory of how are we going to make things fair? Because my life is not fair. And you have a full-grown adult male with all of the brilliant mental faculties that he has and all the education still acting like an adolescent. And you have the Communist Manifesto. Same thing happened with Hitler. That's why I let off this thing that the Seder is really, really important. Because the Seder is where adults sit the children down and they tell them the story. They tell them where they belong in the world, what their relationship is to God, what God's purpose is for them. All of that gets told to the children in the Seder. And the thing that has made Judaism so strong and kept it going for 3,500 years in face of everything that the enemy has been able to throw at them is this Seder, this organized, ritualized way of taking children and turning them from adolescents into adults. And by the way, as Judaism has gotten more and more liberal and they don't do that so very well, you've got Bernie Sanders who was born a Jew. You've got Karl Marx who was born a Jew. And that process got interrupted. So they remained adolescents. Because it's really important to recognize what you're dealing with. Because this is not going to go away. You know, the Scraggly kids with a neck beard that's screaming in your face because something isn't fair and you won't let him do something or the society won't let him do something is not going to go away because there isn't anybody in this society right now that will grab that rascal by the stacking swivel and stand him up and say, this is who you are. This is your place in the world. This is who God is. This is what God expects of you. And that's what he needs to become a man. So what he's got now is just this adolescent emotion and all this turmoil of emotions, you know, rage, lust, all of it, the et's a hurrah, the evil inclination, and nobody has told him what to do with it. So what he does is he destroys things because the things that he has been given are not fair. Remember, he's still a two-year-old with hormones and a driver's license. And as he gets older, he becomes a two-year-old with a corporation behind him. Can you say Zuckerberg? Facebook. Very, very smart guy. Very clever. Very intelligent. Still an adolescent. Walks around in blue jeans to show that he's still cool. Still hip. Now, the problem that we have and that the world has is that this destructive rage that is flowing across the entire world. And and like I said, it's not just the United States. Europe right now is being invaded by Muslims. Because their men are not men. There's a picture, you know, one of the Facebook pictures. And you've got a double panel. And one of them is the defense ministers of Europe. And every one of them is a woman. And the defense minister of Russia. And it's this bear of a guy wearing a fur collar and a hat down over his head and a scalp and the guys any questions? I'm very serious. Nothing against women, but when a country has as its defense minister a woman, you know that there is not going to be anything very robust coming out of it. Sorry, girls, it's just the case. And this is going on worldwide. So, what's your job? What do you do about this? And I will tell you that this is not going to go away until it runs its course. And it started back in the 14th and 15th centuries. So this is a long Process that we are coming to the end of. Because it's coming to the point now where it's going to be so destructive that it's going to exhaust itself. Until then, what's your job? What do you do? How do you live in this? What do you do to meet God's purposes in this? Well, the first thing, of course, is you work with your own families. You are, most of you, grandparents. Some of you are parents or parents-to-be. And you have young ones of your own. But the first thing you need to do is be an adult. And if you spent the 60s doing sex, drugs, and rock and roll, get over it. Because it's time for you to be an adult. And if you're not, come talk to somebody who is and we'll tell you how. The second thing that you have to do is pass the story on to your children. And that's what we did last night at the Seder. And for those of you who have extended families, invite your extended families over to your house and do Shabbat with them. Give them a sense of place and a sense of God's purpose for them so that they recognize that they have a reason for existing. And and by the way, just as a side note, suicide is just going, whew. and the reason it's going like that is because people don't have a sense Of why they exist. They don't have a sense of what God expects of them. They don't have a sense that anybody cares who they are. And so they have this adolescent emotion that turns from destruction of society to self-destruction. But it's all destructive until somebody gets it back under control. So your job is to pass this on to your children. Give them an understanding that God has a purpose for them. Give them an understanding that they are part of a people. Give them an understanding that they have a place in history and that place is important. Give them an understanding that they are the link between your generation and the next generation. And by the way, we've lost that because the current generation is spending the next generation into slavery. And that's because they are still adolescents and they don't have a sense that they are simply the link from their parents to their children, and that they have a duty to pass on to the next generation the thing that they received from the previous generations. And part of that problem is they don't think they received much. So your job is to be that link between the previous generation and the next generation. And finally, your job, and this is where Israel comes in, your job as Israel is to go out to the rest of the world and tell them, that God has a purpose for them that's what makes you a special nation is because God chose you to be the firstborn when we came out of Egypt what did God say Israel is my firstborn that's who you are what does the firstborn do the firstborn is the formal link between the parents to the grandchildren The firstborn's job is to pass on the values of the parents to the children. Lots of people in the world today don't think that they have been passed on much beyond a cell phone. They think that this cell phone is sort of the apotheosis of everything that the previous generation has passed on. And I will tell you, a cell phone is not satisfying. It's a great toy, but it's not satisfying. It doesn't satisfy this inner need that every one of us has to connect to God and the supernatural and to have a purpose that God has called us to. Cell phone doesn't supply that. Yet the United States has become distracted with cell phones and automobiles and all the stuff of technology, which I'm not knocking, okay? I'm, I'm not knocking technology. I use it myself. But that is no substitute for a place. That is no substitute for being a people. That is no substitute for having something that God has called you to do. Please consider becoming a sponsor. Please visit crimsonthread.com purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you.